Hello and welcome to today's Sunday podcast with Pastors Mark and Michelle Davenport. A term that we often use when we are ready for battle is locked and loaded. But sometimes as Christians, we forget about some of the tools we have for our spiritual battles. Today, Pastor Mark Davenport concludes his Locked series and reminds us about some of the tools that we can use when we need to be locked and loaded for a spiritual battle. Uh, today, we're going to finish up a series called Locked, uh, and uh, this Sunday is probably the most intense of all. Uh, I, I won't say it's the most challenging of all, but I will say it's the most intense. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've titled the sermon, Locked and Loaded. Locked and Loaded. That we've got to be locked and loaded. And I, I will be honest with you, I, I had a gun. I was going to bring my gun on stage. I, I had to find one. I, I actually have three, but none of them are appropriate because I wanted one that, that, that cocked. You know, that, that you pump action. But I, I don't have one of those, one of those cool guns. But uh, everybody's like, you can't put a gun on stage. You can't bring a gun on stage. I'm like, it's not loaded. I'm not shooting anybody. I promise. And they're like, do it with a Nerf gun. I said, it loses its effect. I'm not even going to play that game. So if I can't bring my real gun on, or it's not mine, but if I couldn't bring it on, I'm like, I'm not doing that. But I will tell you that as I talk today, visualize in your mind a gun cocked, okay, since I can't do it. I say, somebody said, well, are you worried about the church people? It's your church. I go, no, I got to live with my wife. <laughs> I care about church people. I got to go home with this lady. So she said, will I be okay to sit through this service, through this sermon? I go, is it really about the mic? I mean, is it really about the, 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 the gun? So anyway, I'm not going to use it. So anybody happy about that? Anybody care? See, that's what I told her. Nobody was going to care. Anyway. Ah, look at Davis. Everybody give Davis a hand. I'll give him a hand as he leaves. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, there's a, a movie. It's called Un, Unforgiveness. Uh, and it stars Clint Eastwood. In that movie, our unforgiveness, yes. It, uh, Clint Eastwood walks into a bar, and there's a guy there by the name of Skinny, and he asks Skinny, he said, who, who owns this bar? And, and after much debate, because all of the guys in the bar were going to go hunt Clint Eastwood and kill him, Skinny steps up and says, I own the bar. I bought it for $1,000 from another guy. And Clint Eastwood just picks up his gun, and he Pulls it out and he shoots the guy. And another guy goes, oh, you just shot an unarmed man. He said, well, he should have been armed because he knew the battle was coming. Guys, for some of us in church, for some of us in our lives, we have walked in unarmed. We are battling an enemy, the devil, who is out to kill, steal, and destroy you and your family. Can I tell you that if you go into a battle unarmed, you will lose. You are not and no match for the enemy. Now, I know we're not here to give the devil any glory. And I'm not going to. I'm not here to say he is all-powerful because ultimately God has all power. But for some of us, we keep walking into a battle going, well, I ain't got nothing to worry about. And the enemy is beating us up. Because we have, we have lacked 
preparation to be locked and loaded in a battle that we cannot win unless we have God with us. Um, I want to talk to you today as we celebrate Father's Day. You got to yeah, we had some, some little tools that we, we passed out. And I know you may go, wow, this is really nice. I don't need this. I don't need this tool. I, don't, I got screwdrivers at home. I got tape measures at home. What I really was thinking was that this would be one of those tools that you put in your tool drawer for your wife to use at home, right? Do you guys have one of those drawers in your kitchen? You do, don't you? Yeah, everybody got one? That, that when you need a, a screwdriver or you need to make cut something, it's like, let me go to the, the drawer. I'm not going out to the, to the shed. I'm not going out to the tool kit. I just want something that's going to screw this little knob on or I want something that's going to be able to cut this little piece of plastic. I just go to the tool drawer. But here's what we do, though. We put them in there and then we forget sometimes that we have those things available. Do you know the same thing happens to us as Christians? That, that those tools that are made available to us, we put them away and never access them. We put them in a drawer and we go, you know what? I want to be locked in. I want to be ready for a battle. But I'm not really concerned about pulling out the tools, pulling out the weapons, pulling out what God has given me to fight the battle. And Acts is a book of the early church fighting battles. You go, oh, well, they didn't really fight any battles. They had the Holy Spirit. But over and over, we see the battle coming to the church. The, even Jesus said the persecution was going to come your way. Don't think battles are going to exclude us today either. So I want to talk to you about some things that is not an exhaustive list. This is not all the things that you may need for your battle. This may not may not be all that the book of Acts and the church of the early church had at their disposal. But this is some things that I think we need to be reminded of today. Because there are some things we don't forget. But there are some things we've put in the drawer, guys, that we have lost the effectiveness because we've put them and they've gotten to the back of the drawer. Because see, all I can do is relate to what I know. Because there's things in my drawer that I know were there. And you start looking for them. See, I see you guys shaking your heads. You know exactly what I'm talking for. You start looking for them and you go, I know this is in here. I know I put this in my drawer. And you find it in the back underneath everything because you haven't used it in so long. That's what's happened to some of us as Christians. We've got some things that have been pushed to the back that we haven't used in such a long time. So we're going to talk about some of those things over the next couple of minutes. Now... 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 is kind of where we're going we're gonna to start today. And many of you know the scripture. It says, we are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. With all the stuff going on in our world right now, many are seeking human solutions to problems that would only be solved by God. We heard this one person say the other day, God is not going to fix racism and skip the church. The world's not going to fix racism and the church not be fixed with it. We're going to have to fix it. 
God's not going to solve global economy and skip the church until we really get a grip on tithing and giving. The world's not going to have an economy that's going to grow and be prosperous until the church realizes what to do. God is not going to deal with sin and not deal with the church as well. Because I don't know if that's a shock to you, but there's sin in the church. And judgment begins at the house of God. So don't think that all the human solutions are going to solve a godly solution. The, the, the problems in this world are not going to be solved by worldly solutions. God is going to have to step into our situations and he's going to have to fix them. It's going to start here. We should have the answers to life. And we've put our tools in the drawer and have forgot about them. In the book of Acts, the birthplace of the church, we find that God is on the minds of the people in Acts all the time. He releases these ladies and gentlemen to be locked and loaded, to be ready to go. And here are just a few of those things. The first thing I think we have to do is we have to remember that we have to get our thoughts in line. As a man thinks, so is he. The problem is we got people in the church that are leaving below their privilege as men and women of God. So we need to rise up and take our place in the thought life that we have. We need to realize that our thought life will control us. The Bible says to cast down every imagination. I want to I just walk through this with you for just a moment. I want you to just kind of... Kind of daydream with me for just a minute about this. Have you had false conversations in your head when someone has made you mad? Rehearsed what you should have said in an argument? Or make a plan to manipulate somebody to get your way? What we do is that we don't really realize it, but when we do that, we're talking to snakes. We're talking to the enemy. We're allowing the enemy to come into our thought life and control the way we process. Because your thought life will control you. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Do you know it's hard to sit around and daydream about destroying someone and manipulating someone when I'm doing what Philippians 4 says? It's hard for me to hate when I'm washing your feet. It's also hard for me to manipulate when I got my mind on the right things. I got, me and Michelle were at, at Lee College at the time, now Lee University. We were in school and uh, we would go to different churches because we were in college and that's what you can do when you're in college. You don't have to settle down. You just do whatever you want to do. And so we'd get up and we'd go, hey, let's go to this church. And then that church would expect us to be there the next couple of weeks and we'd go, hey, let's go to this other church. Because that's what we did when we were in college. We just flipped around like a lot of people do today. But they're not in college. But anyway, that's another story. I won't get into all of that. So... We're going to, we went downtown, Chatt well, not downtown Chattanooga, Lee Highway, Chattanooga. Uh, the pastor there is Mike Chapman. Now, 
I know that you guys would love to have a pastor that you still remember what he preached 25 years ago. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome to have that kind of leadership? You don't get that, but it'd be great to have it. I mean, you don't get it here. You can find it somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) Mike Chapman preached a sermon while we were in college, and I still remember today. It was about capturing your thoughts. And I'd never, ever put this description to what he said. But he said, I want you to imagine your mind is is as a, a, a rubber room. And he said, here's what the enemy does. He doesn't have access to your mind, but he walks up to the windows and the doors and he throws rubber balls in there. Balls of hate, balls of deceit, balls of manipulation. And he said, those balls bounce around the room. When the Bible says to capture every thought, what the scripture's talking about is grabbing one of those balls, opening the window and throwing it out. But here's what we do. We allow them to bounce around. And then there's a word in the Bible that talks letting it take seed. What we do is we allow those balls to bounce around. And we think about them for a second. And then we meditate on them. They find a place to lodge. And then they grow roots. And then those thoughts become actions. And those actions become our lifestyle. And what we find is that those bouncing balls or those snakes become a part of our life. And we spend time imagining. We spend time letting our thoughts control our actions. We need to lock our thoughts on things above. You want to be locked and loaded? Say, you know what? I'm going to control. I am going to take control of my thoughts. You worry And if you worry, you're doing nothing than allowing your thoughts to manipulate your actions. That's all it is. All worry is, is nothing less than not taking your thoughts captive. You know what? Most affairs happen because people are doing nothing less than taking their thoughts captive. Because I used to tell my kids in the youth group, you don't sin on Saturday night in the backseat of a car. That's not when sin happens. Sin happens on Thursday night when you plan on the date on going out. And you think about it Thursday and Friday and then Saturday gets there and you act on your thoughts. Hate is nothing more than not taking your thoughts captive. Sin is nothing more than not taking your thoughts active. You want to be locked and loaded? Take hold of your thoughts. You go, but Pastor Mark, you don't understand. I am so addicted to this. Part of it is because you've got a thought. The thought controls the action. And the early church had to understand that they were more than conquerors through Christ. That the Holy Spirit who came and dwelled in them was more than enough. We sing a song every once in a while called More Than Enough. He's more than enough. More than enough for what? If he's not more than enough to control my thoughts, he's not more than enough to save me. You go, but Pastor Mark, those thoughts come into my mind. Grab them, capture them, and don't dwell on them. Grab them and don't dwell on them. Throw them out of the room. Take the snakes out of the room. Don't allow your thoughts to control your actions. Second thing. The early church realized... That if we're going to be locked and loaded, we're going to need relationships. 
say, boy, this really isn't spiritual, is it? I mean, talking about my thoughts, and now you're talking about relationships. I mean, come on. Over and over in the book of Acts, we see where they break bread together. They fellowship together. They handled conflict together. They traveled and preached together. They did everything. The Bible actually even says, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, they had everything in common. Talk about relationship. Me and my wife ain't even got that kind of relationship. She likes the cowboys, and I can't stand the cowboys. Anybody else with me? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Anybody with her? Don't say it, don't say it. Oh. Okay, we don't have anything in common with you guys either. There are some, you know, you know it's like that. There's some things that if, you have, if we disagree, we can't have anything in common. No, isn't that the way it is today? Think about what I just said. That there's things that if we don't agree on, then we can't agree on anything. Oh, it's just something simple. Do you like steak or chicken? Well, I like chicken. Well, then I can't be your friend. <laughs> you can't be my friend because I like chicken rather than steak? Yep, because that's a bad choice. And we divide like that. The common church, real, the early church realized that there were things that they may not always agree on, but they were going to fight through it. <laughs> They're going to get through it. There were, in their relationships, the one thing they kept in common was God. But what about us? Where did we go amiss? Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says this. But I have a complaint against you. This is God speaking. You don't love me or each other as much as you did at first. Now, I love this because this is the New Living Translation. And I know some of you may be King James only, and if you are, I pray you can learn Old English. I've been watching a lot of Downton Abbey. I turned my man card in before I came in today so I could say this. But I've been watching Downton Abbey, and they got that Old English, and I love Shakespeare, and I love that. But, but when I come to reading the Bible, I, I, I like it when I can understand it. And that right there says, you, did, you don't love me or each other as you first did, as you did at first. Each other. I mean... God's not just giving us now, oh, do you love God? Oh, I love God. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Uh, see, it's scriptural. That we come into relationship together. And then I love the rest of this. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. So, so if relationship is key, and I'm, I'm going to try to calm down just a little bit. I feel like I'm preaching more than I'm teaching, and I want to teach a little bit here. So I'm going to stop breathing. Everybody just breathe with me. I love it. We're in relationship. You can breathe with me, right? When we get into relationship, there's some things that ought to be evident in our life for each other and God. Not just God, but each other as well. The first thing I want you to recognize is that when you really are in relationship, you're willing to sacrifice. Mm. I mean, do we really have to do that? Well, it's important that we understand that when you love something, you sacrifice for it. Now, you may go, Mark, doesn't the Bible say something about obedience is better than sacrifice? It is. Obedience to God is better than sacrifice. But what about the body? 
to each other, we sacrifice. The body is looking for members that will sacrifice. When I have something hurt, you know what my, my other parts of my body do is they try to help. I saw this massage thing the other day. God was telling me about it. He said, man, when your muscles hurt, he said, this thing, he said, a friend of mine bought it for me. It was about $45, best money I, I think he's ever spent for me. I thought, well, okay, I hope I can get a friend like that, <laughs> you know, that'll spend money for me. He said, but it's this thing that vibrates your muscles, and, and when, you, when your muscles get tight, it, it goes in and it, it just loosens those muscles up. And this guy does cross training, so he needs it a lot more than I do, because all I do is cross eat, and I don't really, I mean, my elbow gets sore sometimes, but most of the time it's just, it's not really a big deal. But his is probably a big deal because of the CrossFit stuff. And I thought, when my, I mean, I get a mosquito bite, and my hand automatically goes, oh, scratch it, because I want relief. I want it to stop. When my muscles hurt, I find that my body adjusts. When my finger gets cut, my other hand goes to it. Because you got to realize, I've had two fingers cut off and one busted slap open. I know how to reach for my hands when they get cut. But my body knows how to sacrifice for the other parts of the body. The same thing is true in the body of Christ. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's why this foolishness about race has got to go. Because we all hurt when one hurts. Second thing about relationship is that it involves sacrifice. It also involves support. I want to support you, but please don't be stupid. Huh? You ever, you ever thought that? I want, to, I want to support you, but please, please don't be dumb. Me and Michelle would go preach. She would go preach. Nobody asked me to preach. Uh, that's why they let me pastor, because they figure I can fake it and fake my way through it. <laughs> Michelle goes and evangelizes. You got to be able, you got to be on when you evangelize, because you don't know them people. You're just out preaching, and it's like, <gasps> so she'd go preach. I'd get ready, take my stuff with me. I'd show up. She'd go, what are you wearing? Honey, I'm wearing a suit. Are you really? Yep. Well, good. Because what you're doing is you're representing me. And I don't want you just going out there just wearing any old stuff. And I said, well, baby, I'm trying to look good to represent you. And that sounds great. That sounds great. The problem is, even when she's not preaching now, I'll go to the grocery store, and she'll go, are you, you going out of the house looking like that? <laughs> I thought I was, but I'm obviously not. She goes, well, you know, you're not only representing me, you're representing the church. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tony. He goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You, you ought to live my life, brother. You think it's rough. I got to gotta represent. Guys, sometimes we want to support and we're trying to support stuff that doesn't look like God. That's why church membership is so important. You go, oh, I'm going to join this church and I'm going to join this church and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And you don't have any accountability and you don't. And, and, and when we join the church, we're saying we are going to be a representative of uh, Centerpoint and we are going to be a representative of Christ and we are going to be a representative of what he's trying to do in the earth and then we want to support what's going on in your life 
But sometimes we see stuff that we go, oh my goodness. Why do they do this? Why do they do that? Go back. Because they haven't captured thoughts and they're living. But you know what I have to do? I have to say, you know what? I am not going to destroy you. When my wife makes a stupid decision at the house, I know. You guys are laughing because you're going, she doesn't. I know. But whenever I make a stupid decision at the house, you know what my wife does? Well, I, let's don't talk about what she does. Let's try to stay on task here. <laughs> Hopefully it's your home. When you do something stupid, your wife or husband supports you. That they stand with you. They go, you know what? That may not have been the smartest decision. We do it with our kids. Honey, that wasn't the smartest thing you could have done. But you're still my baby boy. You're still my baby girl. And we are going to walk through this and we're going to get through it. We want to sacrifice everybody. But we've got to support We've got to be there. We don't support sin, but we will support you through it until you get on the other side. Because guess what? None of us in this room are perfect. Look to your neighbor. Go ahead. I don't like doing this. I hate doing it. Laura will just absolutely look right at you and go, I ain't saying nothing to my neighbor. (laughs) But why don't you look to somebody beside you and say, you ain't perfect. Go ahead. Look at them. Tell them, you ain't perfect. See, some of you are afraid to because it's your wife and your husband. Go ahead, tell them. They know it. Now look back at the same person and say, but neither am I. But neither am I. I will support you through your mess as long as we try to walk through it together in relationship. Because none of us are perfect. Number three, you serve. When I love you, when I value you, I will serve you. My wife has the ability, let me see if I can read it the way she put it down. (laughs) See, she hadn't been here, so I ain't been able to do this stuff. This is awesome. I wrote my stuff for her to say earlier. This is her stuff for me to say. My wife has the ability to serve like no one. She doesn't like being bothered with cooking classes. Crochet teaching. She don't want to know how to crochet a purse or a dolly or anything else. She's not much into shopping trips either. But if you're sick, she's the lady you want around you. And you say, well, yeah, that's for your family. No, 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 no. No, I've seen her go into hospital rooms where people were sick. And she'd take oil and you think, oh, well, she's just going to be on that spiritual end. Yeah, she'll take the oil and she'll pour it over you. She'll leave it in your bed and on your pillow. But she'll also pick up a cloth and wipe your brow. She'll help you get to to the potty if you're a lady. I mean, she'll, she'll do whatever it takes to help you when you're sick. She's willing to serve. Willing to do whatever to see whatever needs to be accomplished. I'm amazed because about half the time I wish I was sick at home. They go, why do you want to be sick so much? Because, man, you should see the way Michelle treats me when I'm sick. She brings me food, brings me a blanket. Oh, it's awesome. I think, man, I'm going to get sick more often. Actually, I'm going home today to hang out with those people that got COVID over in LaGrange. So I won't be in church next week. Actually, no, that's not going to work. You're going out. Yeah, that ain't going to (laughs) work. 
You're going to be well in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We press on. Let's keep going. How about that? We serve one another. Lastly, we communicate. It always seems to come back to communication. When you talk about relationship, it always comes back to communication. Communication is that, that, that central part that allows us to walk through and process through things. It always comes back to that because in the early church, they said, let's talk about it. They said, let's argue about it. Let's fight about it. But when you're done, you're still family. Let's talk about it. Let's argue about it. Let's fight about it. But in the end, we're still family. Some of you have had those kind of arguments with your dad. I don't know if you guys have heard my story about my dad. I, I can't remember. Do you guys hear my story about Walt Disney World and my dad? Yes? No? Go to Walt Disney World with my dad, mom. Thank you. Thanks for whoever over here said no, because that just makes me feel good. Go to Walt Disney World. We're sitting there. I'm going to an exit. I thought it was the entrance to a ride. It was an exit. I, I just kept walking. Finally, I realized it was the exit to the ride, not the entrance. I turn around, and I'm about 19, 20 years old, folks. I turn around, come back. My mom is going, Mark, Mark. She's standing in the middle of the thing. Come here. Get over here. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Where's dad at? What is going on? She goes, you heard me calling to you. No, I didn't. I didn't hear you. She said, I know good and well you did. I know you heard me. And I walked back, and I don't have any way to do it. My dad was on one of those big tree planters, right? My dad was a big guy, about 450 pounds, about 430. Really, between 430 and 450, does it really matter? <laughs> he lost 20 pounds in my story. Big deal, right? So he's leaning up against one of those planters. He's got his, and he's like this. And I come with my mom, and my dad gets up, and he goes, you know good and well you heard your mom, and you just kept walking. And I said, I didn't hear her. He got up, he goes, I know good and well you did. Whack, and he kicked me. And I kicked him back. I know, I know, I know, settle down. He's dead now, he don't care. And my dad went, Let's just go back to the room. My mama said, why can't we just have a good time? And I'm like, he kicked me in the middle of Walt Disney World. Go back to the room. We're sitting there. And I hear in the back of my head, you should tell him you're sorry. Kids, have you ever heard that in the back of your head to your parents? Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I heard it. I'm sitting there. Of course, I'm, I'm 1920, so I should have heard it. <laughs> Seven, you don't usually hear it, but at 20, you should hear it. And I went, I should really tell him I'm sorry. And it was just this awkwardness. Can you imagine kicking your dad, your dad kicking you, mom crying? It was just a bad night in the room. There wasn't a whole lot of joy. There wasn't a whole lot of eating. There wasn't a whole lot of anything. Just a lot of heaviness. <laughs> Suddenly, my dad goes, Son, I'm sorry for kicking you today. Oh, I should have said it first. I'm so sorry. 
in the end, we were still family. And although we had to work through our junk, communication started it. Because it was an issue that we had. That my dad thought something and my mom thought something that I wasn't trying to be rebellious. Maybe the kicking was a little. (laughs) But in the end, they were still my mom and dad. In the end, guys, we're still the body of Christ. And I'm not going to always like everything you say. And you're not going to like everything your neighbor says. And we're not going to always get along perfectly and happy, skippy, all through life with roses. But guess what? In the end, if we'll communicate and we'll listen to each other, rather than always going, Ah, everybody's wrong and I'm the only one that's right. No, let me communicate with you and listen so that maybe you can change my mind And I can change yours. And guess what? If they don't change, we'll still be family. Acts. uh, Let me me back up. Unity doesn't just happen. It takes work. You're not just going to... I've jumped ahead. I'm sorry. Good grief. John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That's enough. That's all we need. Guys, the reason we have relationships is because we've got to make sure we love the body and we love Christ, first love, more than we love the things of the world. Last thing, weapons. So now we've talked about all this stuff about thoughts. We've talked about relationship. The third thing you get to put in your pocket for battle and you get locked and loaded. Remember the gun? Okay. If you're going to be locked and loaded, the third thing you got to have is you have to have weapons. I mean, come on. Nobody wants to go to a fight with, with a water pistol, right? I mean, you need, a, you need a weapon. And I want to give you four weapons quickly that are things you need that will help you in the battle, that will help you stay locked and loaded. The first one is the weapon of unity. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and this is from the message. When the feast of Passover came, they were all together in one place. Now, this really challenges us with this COVID junk going on. And we got some people online that aren't able to be here. And they go, well, I'm not in one place. It also challenges our thought that once this thing is over, that, oh, well, I'll just stay at home. Because the Bible encourages us to get together. It's hard to have fellowship and to have unity when you're never in the same room. Other scriptures that we've looked at said that they had everything in common. But they didn't did they they didn't have everything in common they made every effort they did everything they could but they all came from different walks of life they all had different opinions they all had different ideas they really didn't have anything everything in common until they came together we have to come together unity won't just happen we have to make it happen someone said well we need small groups Well, there's already small groups that are formed. I mean, would you agree? There's little, you know what we call them? We don't call them small groups. You know what we call them? Clicks, yeah. But that's really small groups. Small groups are just clicks. You go, oh, well, they they just happen. You know what? To have healthy groups, they don't just happen. It takes effort. It's probably one or two people that will go out of their way to say, hey, why don't you go eat with us today? 
It's, it's one or two people that say, you know what? I'm not willing to allow you to sit on the sidelines and just be out here by yourself. I'm willing to include you, bring you along. It takes effort to have unity. The second thing that you've got to have, one of, I say one of the things, your weapon, weapon of boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 31, it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness, to preach your word. 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. Now that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, cool scripture to read for boldness. But that's not the only place it's mentioned. Boldness is mentioned in Acts 9 verse 27 through 28. Acts 13 uh, verse 46, Acts 14 verse 3, Acts 19 verse 8, Acts 26 26. But here's the problem that we've got to realize. It's kind of one of those weapons that's gotten put in the back of the drawer. Boldness. You know what we hear over and over again? You need to witness. You need to tell people about Jesus. You know what we hear? I'm just shy. That's just really not my personality. I just really don't know what to say. The early church, remember Peter? He's the one that ran from conflict. He's the one that stood at the fire and said, I don't even know this Jesus. But after the Holy Spirit came upon him, he stood up in the middle of a city that said, these men are drunk. And he said, this is not what you think it is. This is the outpouring of the Spirit that was prophesied by Joel. Let me tell you what he came to do. This is who the Jesus that you crucified was. A boldness came upon him and he spoke the word of God. Guys, some of us need to reestablish boldness in our weaponry. And some of us, it doesn't really even have to play out in the church. Some of us have our kids ruling our homes because parents aren't bold enough to say no. We aren't bold enough to tell people the truth, but we'll tell them anything we want to on Facebook because we can hide behind the shield that they don't see us. Maybe it's time we get a little boldness of the Holy Spirit rather than the boldness to type. Well, I'm I'm done. It's time to lock and load boldness. Number three, prayer. Almost all of its 28 chapters mention the church and prayer. In verse 1, the church waited on the Holy Spirit coming by prayer. In Acts 2... After the church was born, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, breaking bread, and to prayer. Acts 3 uh, healed a man who was crippled from birth through prayer. Acts 4, when the church was persecuted, they prayed and asked God to give them boldness to continue to witness for Christ. Acts 6, the apostles said, we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Acts 7, Stephen, before being martyred, he knelt down, prayed out loud before falling asleep. Peter and John prayed for the believers at Samaria that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, after turning to the Lord, Saul prayed. Acts 10, the angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius as he prayed. Uh, Acts 12, the church prayed for Peter earnestly when he was in prison. Acts 13, Acts 4, do I need to keep going? The church was about prayer. When we talk about prayer, it becomes that last thing we want to talk about. 
But over and over in the early church, it was pray, 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 pray. When we have a decision to make, let's pray. When we want to talk about something, let's pray. When we want to control our thoughts, we pray. When we want to get around an argument, we pray. They prayed. If you want to be locked and loaded, prepare to put prayer on your agenda. Prayer is the central, central part of what the early church was able to do and last. And this one, probably everybody in this room, if you were asked, what's one of your weapons? Most of us would say the word. The word of God is a weapon that we can use. 30 times in Acts, there were direct uh, uh, references to the Old Testament listed. 30 in the book of Acts, they kept going back to the Old Testament to reference the Word of God. They kept going back to what they knew was effective. They kept going back. And we've got to go back as well. The Bible's very clear. I've hid His Word in my heart that I might not sin against God. That's our number one goal, right? Not sinning. Well, our number one goal ought to be what Jesus told us to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I shouldn't worry so much about sinning, but I've got to have his word in my heart so that I'll know what it tells me to do, so it knows where it tells me to go, so I'll be able to see his word being a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I won't know that if I don't have his word. And the early church knew very well what the word would do. I just referenced Acts chapter uh, I mean, Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. But Psalms chapter 119, verse 11, it said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cut between, cutting between the soul and spirit, between the joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost Thoughts and desires. Isn't it funny we go back to thoughts? Our innermost thoughts and desires. Guys, if you're going to be locked and loaded, if you're going to be ready to fight the battles, and can I tell you that this world has got plenty of battles for you to fight. For some of you, it may be loneliness. For some of you, it may be fear. Some of it may be worry. You're worrying about stuff that you don't have any business worrying about. It's never going to come to pass. It's never going to happen. And if it does, there's not one blessed thing you can do about it. But you will continue to worry. Let God take control. Get yourself locked and loaded. Acts gives us a great example of what we need. Get with the brotherhood. Get with the sisterhood. Get with the church. Get with the family of God and say, I am in relationship and I will not allow myself to be controlled by my thoughts, by outside relationships that want me to love the world rather than love the things of God. Because everything out there wants you to love the things of this world. consumed with it I want you to buy more stuff just buy just buy and get yourself in debt and then get yourself consumed by debt that you can't bless the work of God because you're overwhelmed with this debt that you bought stuff you really didn't need 
How did I get here? Because you allowed your thoughts to be controlled by the world system rather than God's system. You see how simple it is? It's not just, it's not just a sin issue. It's really an everyday issue. And God said, I would that you would have live life and life more abundantly. That means overwhelming life, not just get by life. But if you're not locked and loaded, you're still envisioning the gun? Because I keep doing it and I don't have one. But are you locked and loaded today? Maybe you're saying, Mark, I really haven't been keeping my thoughts captive. I'm, I'm not in good relationship with the body. Maybe, maybe I come occasionally. Maybe I, I watch whenever it's convenient. Maybe I, but I'm, I'm not really connected. And it's time I do. I encourage you, that boldness we talked about, get up. Go meet people. And if you're sitting here and people come to meet you and you throw them away, you cast them off as if they're not important. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I... If there's, I mean, and I, I love everybody that's on staff, but Davis just, he rocks my boat. He knows everybody in town. Of course, Michelle says that's a James thing. She said, he's got the James blood in him because he knows everybody, talks to everybody, sees everybody. There's a young man that came to church here right before COVID. And you know how... I don't mean this ugly, but sometimes there, there, there's, there's this group of people and you go, okay, these people fit in this group. And then there's not necessarily this types of people, but just general strange people. I don't mean that ugly. I'm, I'm a strange person. I mean, me and Stephen, uh, Christy was talking about bands we used to listen to when we were kids. And I said... Dude, I used to listen to Dead Kennedys. He goes, oh my God, we relate. Oh, this is horrible. My pastor relates to my music. Oh, this is horrible. So I get weird. This young guy was coming to church. And I was like, he's not going off today by himself. Hey, we're going to eat. I want you to go eat with us if you want to. He goes, oh, thanks, man. I thought he was going to eat with me. Next thing I know, he's in Davis's car, and they're pulling out of the parking lot. And I said, what's going on? Davis comes by. He goes, oh, he's going to eat lunch with us. We'll see you later. <laughs> Next day, I got in the office. I said, did you know him before? No, I know him. I just felt like he probably needed somewhere to go eat with us. So he just come on and go with us. He didn't say it just like that. You know, I'm, it was kind of like that. He's country, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Guys. We have a responsibility for relationship, for unity. We can't constantly be looking inward. We have to look outward. God help us to connect. So my question to you today is, if you bow your head and close your eyes, I know we don't, we don't do altar calls right now as much as we have in the past or don't focus in on that as much, but... When you hear a sermon like this, there's some things that, that we need to deal with in our own personal lives. <clears throat> and so no one will know at what point I'm referring to. If you say, Mark, I've put my weapons in the drawer. i put my tools in the drawer. i put the things that God's given me to use in the drawer. 
and they've gotten to the back of the drawer and I don't use them near as much as I, I should. Maybe, maybe I haven't been focused on the relationship of the body. I haven't been serving and sacrificing and communicating like I need to with the body. And I want to come back into relationship with the body, the body of Christ. And I want to communicate with God better. Or maybe you simply say, my thoughts have gotten out of control. My thoughts are not what they need to be. They haven't been centered on Christ. I've been worrying. I've been fretting. I've been fearing. I've been allowing imaginations to run wild in my head. And if that's where problems start, I've got to stop it now. Because the balls are bouncing. And I've let too many of them stop. And I've been meditating on them. And you'd say, Mark, any one of those three areas, you say, Mark, I'm dealing with that today. And I refuse to allow the enemy to win. And I ask you to pray for me today. Would you stand up right where you're seated? Would you just stand up and say, Mark, I'm responding to the word of God today. Heavenly Father, as these are standing, truly goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. God, our minds are the battlefield of the soul. Relationships help us walk out our relationship with you and our weapons help us make sure we're locked and loaded when the battle does come and it is coming Lord for those that are standing today Lord I pray an exorbitant amount of peace fret worry desire conquest materialism whatever has has been the rule of the day in their life God, I crush every attack that the enemy has tried to place on them. And I ask for mercy and grace to flow in. They are not defeated. They are not down and out. They are not without hope. You are our source and you are our strength. And Lord, we come to you knowing that you are the author and finisher of our faith. Keep us strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We'll continue to arm ourselves and be ready for battle. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for our time together. Now, Lord, bless and keep us. Let your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. And grant us peace. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for listening to today's Sunday podcast. If you'd like to keep up with the latest podcast, Please subscribe to the Pastor Mark and Michelle Davenport podcast in Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. If you'd like more information about City Light Church, please visit citylightchurch.net. Or if you'd like more information about Griffin Centerpoint Church, please visit gcpcog.com.